Welcome to another episode of Peers Over Beers, your favorite digital and social evangelist podcast with your industry veteran hosts, Chris Tetzel. This podcast starts now. Welcome to another Peers Over Beers. This is Chris Detzel, and I have a special guest with me, Nicole Saunders. Nicole, tell us a little bit about yourself. Nice to be here, Chris. Uh, so I'm Nicole Saunders. I'm the director of communities at Zendesk. I've been at Zendesk for about five years now, and I've been wow. working in the community management industry, I think as long as the title has been around. I actually remember the day that I was sitting on Twitter, and I think it was one of the first community manager appreciation days, and I saw the, the tag go out. I went, oh, community management, that's <laughs> what I do. And I put it on my resume in my LinkedIn. Um, oh, and I've, awesome. been, I've been doing it ever since. So yeah, it was, it was good to find my, find my people. <laughs> You know, it's it's funny. I was telling you or talking to you right before the show, and um, we've never really had a conversation before. So I, I was really excited that you, when I reached out, that you said, "Yeah, you know, I'll I'll do it. Let's let's uh, have a conversation." And here you are. So thank you so much for coming. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I've I've seen you around on LinkedIn. I know that we participate in a couple of the same community yeah. manager groups and and our own communities for community managers. Um, mm-hmm. And I. I always love talking about community stuff with anybody that'll listen and especially people that know the industry. Yeah, uh, me too. And, and as you know, I've, I've had this podcast for a little while. So why don't we dig right in? So tell me a little bit about your team. What, and and yeah, I could tell you a little bit about my team or me for now. And then, uh, and then what, what we wanted to kind of talk about was planning, budgeting, and all that kind of stuff. And what, what do you plan for, for, uh, you know, the start of the year, it's January now, maybe you guys have already done it. Our fiscal year is February. So it starts, uh, FY 23. And so we're in the midst of closing our planning now and looking at one headcount or, you know, strategy, what are we going to be doing for this next year and all that kind of stuff, budget, stuff like that. So, uh, why don't you kick it off with a little bit about kind of what your team is, what your community kind of goal is, and then let's talk about budgeting and planning stuff. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, it's been an interesting <laughs> journey with community at Zendesk. Um, so like I said, I've been there about five years. When I first started at Zendesk, it was me and one other person, uh, and mm-hmm. her role was largely kind of being functioning as a support rep in the community, so answering user questions. Yeah. Um, over time, we've built that out, so I now have a team of six that report to me. Wow. Um, so it's been a lot of growth, a lot of expansion. We also moved our team. We used to be under the support organization, and now we are a little more centralized in the integrated marketing team. Um, so we've really cool. sort of been working on shifting and expanding the scope of our community and what it does, and, and you know that contributed to that team growth. Um, as far as planning goes, we are we are right in the thick of it right now. My mm-hmm. my team's actually doing their roadmap presentations next week. I'm really excited to hear what they've got planned, and what they're working on. You know um, that that's a, that could be a little scary for. Uh... You know, beginner community managers is putting a roadmap oh, yeah. together and then have to present to Nicole and whoever else <laughs> is there, you know, like, because they already know the stuff. So, that, you know, but that's good. They need, I think uh, employees need that, right? It's, it's really good practice. You know, um, at the end of the day, I'm the one that ends up taking the roadmap up to executives and getting all of the approvals and buy in. Um, but I wouldn't know how to do it if my previous manager hadn't made me do one on a regular basis for her. And so this is the first time I've got my whole team doing all of it. Um, but I think it's going to be a really good exercise for everybody. You know, I think those are some key skill sets you have to have in our industry. You have to be able to put together a good deck and articulate Mm -hmm. what you're going to work on and why those are the important things to be doing. So that's really what we're kind of going step-by-step through right now, giving everybody some practice. I love that. I really do. I, I think whenever, uh, 
I was at a company called Rexel. So that's where I met uh, uh, Michael and he taught me all things strategy, not necessarily, definitely community, but is, you know, look, you have to have a strategy and, you know, that's going to be the high level of what are you trying to accomplish, right? And then underneath that is how are you going to go execute on that strategy? And so what is your roadmap? And so when you look at not, our company likes like 30, 60, 90, 120s, but I think, you know, if you could look out, you know, quarterly is what I used to kind of do and, and really like to say, hey, I'm going to accomplish this this quarter, this quarter, that quarter. Is that kind of how you guys do it? Or is that what, what are you thinking from a roadmap standpoint? What does that look like? Yeah, I think we we like to break things down in quarters. I also like to look at things sort of in half years because um, mm-hmm. there's so many things that are going to take, you know, four or five months to get through. Um, so you can break down milestones by quarter, but uh, especially with community, oftentimes it's a longer term play. You know, uh, it's not it something is. where you're going to do something and see the result two weeks later, but it's where you're going to build something over the course of several quarters or even several years sometimes. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, one of the things, so uh, Reltio, we started our community back in uh, April 28th uh, of last year. So, you know, it's very new and, yeah. and, and people are so excited about it and everything else and we're doing some really good things, but, you know, you've got to pull it in a little bit because, you know, things don't just happen overnight. And, and so I'll give you an example. Like when you look at some of the analytics on, you know, Google, right. And so, uh, you know, page views or users or whatever, it's just going up and down, right? Like it's not, when you look at SEO growth, I mean, I mean look, that stuff takes a year, two years, three years to really kind of, you know, go skyrocket. And so when you got to explain, well, why is it down every single month or up and down, up and down? It's like, just the way it is, you know, like you're building a bunch of content and it's brand new, it's from scratch, but you have to be able to, to explain some of those things to the executives. And if you don't, you know, then they'll be like, I mean, they just need to understand, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's so important, you know, taking an example of Google Analytics, um, I, I like to look at stats year over year and see how things yeah. compare. And one of the things that we've learned, <laughs> there's very much seasonal traffic in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, we know which months, we see, it, see the most engagement, we know which months it regularly dips. But if you don't look at it in that longer time scale, you can be like, oh gosh, our page views crashed in August, what happens? Well, it turns out they crash every August because people's kids mm-hmm. go back to school and they get distracted. You know, And so you have to really always have that perspective of both the short-term and the long-term. But I think that that's something that I am forever trying to communicate out to folks. I think a lot of people have this impression with communities that it's like social media and you're going to do something and it's going to go viral and blow up overnight. And that is Mm -hmm. not how communities work. They definitely build over time. And like you said, you're building content, you're building SEO, you're building a relationship and a reputation with your members. And that takes time to really uh, gain the full benefit of. And I thought we were going to talk about budgeting, but I'm I'm really liking (laughs) where this conversation is going, to be honest. Um, And so I I agree. I think that, you know, when you look at, uh, and it's a good point about the social media thing, because, you know, it's not going to blow up. It takes time. And, and, you know, what I tell people is community is not a project, right? It's a program that just continues to go on. It's almost like a living, breathing thing, right? Because people come in and I love the relationship thing that you mentioned, because um, as I get more and more into the community and as I kind of look at, uh, uh, those those users and, and I inter- engage with them not just digitally. We have a webinar program that you know I run as well, and so people are always now coming and asking me questions that 
you know, I was like, of course, I don't know the answer. So I'm still having to push that out, but they're personally coming to me. They're going on contact us. Hey, Chris, you know, it's community manager at Relteo, but they're still, they know exactly how to get in touch with me. Right. You know? And so it is, it is a, it's a fun thing to do, but it, it becomes a lot of work. So the, you built this team of six, you know, what, what kind of things did you do to kind of really say, Hey, look, I need another head and then another, and then another, right. Yeah. I mean, love to kind of hear more about that. I know it's <laughs> yeah, all over no. the place, but it's headcount is interesting. It's a chicken and egg thing, right? Because a lot of the time you're sitting there, especially if you're a team of one or a team of two, and you're saying, I can't do anything unless I have more people to help me. Yeah. But the real key to getting headcount is demonstrating that you can do something and that you have an impact and then being able to say, and I can double that impact if I get more people. Um, and so, you know, I think the step one that a lot of people don't always realize is demonstrating what you can do and demonstrating a little bit of value. Um, so sometimes that means being really strategic in what you pursue, right. And setting yourself mm. and saying, I'm going to pursue this specific project so I can demonstrate some impact. And that's going to give me the ability to go in and say, I did this and we can do it twice as big or four times as big or more often or whatever it is. If you get that additional headcount, but you got to show a little bit of value first. Um, I think the other key really is being able to articulate what additional headcount will do for the business, right? Um, will it make your life and your team's life easier? Absolutely. Will you be able to move faster? Definitely. But you're going to have to quantify that for the business. Nobody's going to invest in it if they don't know what they're going to get back out of it. And each headcount is a big investment for the company. We need to think about yeah. the time and the money and the training and all of the things that go into it. Um, so, you know, with, with, with our first hire, it was, Hey, we're answering all of the questions around this one product. Hmm. We could answer all of the questions about all of the products. If we have more people, um, because at the time we actually, when I started, we actually had separate communities for each product, um, which was, uh, uh, an interesting way to distribute things. And so I was like, I want to merge these all together, get everybody in one room, but we're going to need another person to help with those questions. If we're going to add four times as many questions into this one space. So that first headcount, that was easy to justify because it was taking what we were doing and adding to it. Now, as I continued to build out my team, I started adding new roles. Mm -hmm. And some of that came with, I mentioned that we moved from the support organization over to the marketing organization, which yep. is a whole adventure that we might have to save for another episode. <laughs> hey, I would love um, to, because I just moved to the marketing organization from the customer success organization. So yes. Oh, interesting. Good. Yeah. And it's, I, I know that there's a big debate in our industry about where a community team should live. My one soundbite on that is to say that communities connect into every part of the business. Um, you mm -hmm. know, I was listening to the, the conversation that you had with Jenny a couple of weeks back um, and she was going about like, okay, well, marketing wants it for this and success wants it for this and product wants it for this. And it's true. And so to me, to a certain extent, it doesn't necessarily matter so much where the community sits so long as it's well-resourced and well-supported because mm -hmm. you're going to be working super cross-functionally no matter where in the organization you are. But you wanted to talk about budget. You want to sit someplace where you're going to have a budget and you're going to be able to get some headcount. And that's not usually sitting in a cost center. It's usually sitting in one of the revenue generating parts of the business. Marketing. I, I agree. Yeah. But yeah, as we, as we moved to the marketing team, that was an opportunity for me to really say, okay, we're moving where our team is. We're changing the scope of the community. We're going to be more than just a support community. We're really going to start building out brand ambassadors and we're really hmm. going to start focusing on customer success. So we need some new functions. Um, and so I actually doubled the size of my team last year. I said, all right, I need three entirely new people. So I, I hired, um, 
someone to do our user program. So focusing on user groups and customer advocacy and our, our user recognitions in the community. Um, I decided I needed somebody that was full-time going to work on driving traffic to the community, a marketing person, mm. um, to really give some time and energy to that. And then um, possibly the best decision I ever made was hiring an operations person. So somebody who could just really like make sure the train is staying on the tracks and doing all of that. Um, and I, I really lucked out. I found somebody that could do operations and analytics. So I got an, an ops person and an hey. analyst in one. And my gosh, I recommend it to every community manager out there. Find somebody that can do that stuff for you. I, uh, gosh, you know, all the things that you're saying resonate big in big ways. And, and I always kind of think, what's the first community? We are looking at uh, uh, hiring a community manager here uh, shortly, just because my role has expanded. I now own communities, but also um, uh, the executive council. So it's, it's hard yeah. to do both right? Mm -hmm. You know, alone. And so hopefully we'll, I'll uh, get that headcount, but, but I was thinking operations person would be awesome. An analytics person would be awesome, but I need somebody around the community. I need, yep. I need a content person. I need, you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, you're not going to get all those things. And so you just got to figure out, you know, within your community, what is it that you're, what you need first, and then you've got to build upon that. And it sounds like you've done an extremely good job in doing that. So congratulations. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I, I'm very happy with the team we have. I'm very happy with the way we've grown. I would say if I was to go back and do it again, I probably mm -hmm. would have hired a content specialist earlier. Um, mm -hmm. I ended up covering that sort of content role for a long time until we, we got some additional space um, and still do some of it to this day. And that content person is, is so key because that's the person that's going to take, you know, events that you do and figure out how to bring that back into the community and break those down in digestible pieces and make sure that you're getting things all distributed. And it's such a, a key thing. So, but you know, it's, it's so interesting. Every community team is a little bit different. Every community role is a little bit different. And um, at the you end know, of the day, I've found the best is just to play to people's strengths and interests and really figure out I agree. where they can contribute the most and design it that way. I feel like that there's probably not an exact right way to kind of go about it. I mean, but it, it, it sounds like how I start communities could be way different than you, how you started a community, but yet you're thriving and we're starting to thrive. You know what I mean? And, and so it, it just, and we could go in depth, you know, later to kind of think about, you know, what is it that you did to really kind of get that community thriving, you know, to get that buy-in and, and that kind of stuff. I, I love how, You've got a lot of people under you and you've been very focused in on, ex, you know, those different roles, um, you know, because business starts coming to me, you know, in, in a lot of different ways. I think I talked about this last week, but you've got product coming. They want ideation. They want feedback. They want to get these people in on community, you know, maybe these private communities to help with product adoption. That's a, uh, not just a new one, but it's like, Chris, what can we do on, you know, getting this person to uh, adopt this new product? Chris, what can we do to get, you know, and, and like you said, like, uh, how do you get um, uh, the advocacy program going? People are, you know, wanting that. Chris, I need interviews on, you know, uh, 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 some, some input from the executive council on, you know, let's say uh, the branding project that we're doing, all this, and I'm like, okay, Chris, that's not the only one, you know, with uh, with these relationships, I don't think, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, you know, it becomes a lot, you know, so. so it really uh, does. It's, um, communities can be such a dynamic engine throughout the business, right? Mm. Like I said, it's, you touch all these parts. We've, we've been talking a lot this year about sort of 
weaving the fabric of the customer experience has been our mantra, but really the community can become that connective tissue between all of those other teams and departments. And I think the hardest thing is how do you, you know, going back to sort of our initial thoughts on like planning and being strategic, how do you focus? Because it is true that every team in the company wants something and sees possibility with the community. And I mean, it's, it's everything from like, you know, the traditional ones of product and marketing and success. We've even got things like our corporate social responsibility team wants to know how we can bring our environmental causes to the front and how could we talk to customers about what they're doing to be more green. And it is so cool. Like it's yeah. an amazing thing when you've got people from all over the business clamoring and coming to you with this. But it's also that thing of like, I'm sitting here being like, wow, I've grown my team to six and we totally do not have enough bandwidth to do all of this stuff. Yeah. Like, so it, does, there it never matters. So much. <laughs> Yeah, like you can, you're always going to want more people. And so that's where it becomes so important to understand, like, what's the biggest focus? Where are the places you can make the most impact and really kind of dig into those pieces? I love um, how you brought this back around to uh, the original. <laughs> this was great. I need somebody like that because <laughs> I'm really the, good at keep the conversation focused. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the planning piece is, is true. You know, like yeah. uh, my boss asked me the other day, he goes, all right, so we have our we call it company kickoff. So instead of SCO, whatever it is, uh, it's still salesy, but, you know, uh, and, and I've got to present on version two of community because, you know, version one's done for, for the first year for the most part. Uh, so what does version two look like? And so, you know, I've been in, in the planning stages of thinking about what does community look like, right? You know, and, and so what are some of the things that we're going to do next year or let's say this year, really, to, to move the community forward, you know, and, and so that's always fun, but it's hard to think about. It's like, well, am I going to get a headcount? Because if I'm going to get a headcount, that changes everything. You know what I mean? So, um, so it's still thinking about that. You know, you don't want to present to the company and say, this is all the things that's going to happen because thinking I'm going to have this thing, you know, so you got to, you got to be strategic in how you kind of say and, and, until you kind of know, you know? Well, and sometimes I've, gone in and presented as options, kind of given them a, a mm. menu, right? Mm, and like said that. like, all right, if we've got the team we have today, here's what we're going to do. Mm. Now I would like to add this program and here's the value that I think it could bring to the company, but we can only do that if we get this headcount, this budget, this technical resource, whatever it is that we need. And then you sort of give people that opportunity to make that choice and say, well, okay, what do we want to get out of community and how are we going to do this? And then usually what they're going to do is say, well, how close to that can you get with your existing resources, <laughs> right? There's always going to be a negotiation there. Um, so, you know, always, always mark up a little bit what you're asking for, knowing that it's going to get negotiated down. Oh, but, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's key. And, you know, I think there's so much talk in, in community industry about like, how do you tie what you're doing in your community to the business goals? Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing because there's always a balance to be struck between supporting the business goals and doing what's best for users. And ideally, those things always align. But sometimes it can get you a little off track, right? And you got to make sure that you're you're balancing those two sets of needs. And uh, you know, sometimes you see things that would be really great for the users. It would really encourage the community to thrive. And, it, and maybe it doesn't align to a specific business goal. Yeah. Um, so I'm always trying to find, you know, what's the way? What's the 60/40? How can we? have most of what we're doing contributing to those goals, yep. but also have that little bit of room and reserve for the things that are just about nurturing the people or yeah, just I, about what they want, you know? Absolutely. I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're here for a reason, right? Is for business and we have to 
some degree tie you know what we're trying to do to those business goals so what are the outcomes we're trying to achieve but they need to be at that level and i think you're absolutely right if they're not and you're just doing a bunch of shit you know that you know it's here there whatever you know it's good but it's not going to accomplish at the end of the day what you're looking for and your executives yeah. will stop buying in and be like I, I don't know what the hell you're doing you know what i mean you so, can you can keep yourself wildly busy and have no impact on the business it's <laughs> <Yeah>. amazing <laughs> and and so it is important to weigh those things and like you're saying you know if you're going to ask for budget if you're going to ask for a headcount you're going to have to be able to articulate what the business is going to get back out of it um yeah. and then yeah, and really be able to demonstrate that you know that that age-old return on investment <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. And and I'm look, that part's not easy, you know, and, and it's and it's I, I think that I don't know about you, but for me, I I sometimes struggle with that, but I you have to push through it. You have to kind of understand what they're I mean, none of us are perfect at doing everything. So you gotta find those let's call it a resource of some sort, not necessarily a, a headcount, but somebody that maybe can help you understand, you know, how to do something better. So if, if I'm terrible at presentations, well, I better get somewhat good at it. One, two is I've got to be able to sh- tell a story of some sort, you know, and if you don't know how to do that, read some books, you know, uh, talk to Nicole or whatever, you know, uh, I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. You have to, you have to engage and interact in a lot of different ways. And, and, and that's to me is the key is storytelling, presenting in front of a bunch of people to really tell that story, you know, and you've got to be able to do it on slides. Sometimes I'll just do it. You know, uh, I'll share my screen and say, "Hey, look, uh, here's here's some great questions here. Hey, let me search on Google and show you kind of, you know what I mean? Like so, but it's at least pulling out some of those stories. I think that you know are going to uh, connect to your audience or to the business people, the uh, leaders, whoever, right? You know, I love that you're bringing this up right now because, of course, uh, we're coming up on Community Manager Appreciation Day mm. on on Monday. Um, and I know there's a big thing in the industry this year, encouraging everyone to take it as a professional development day. And so we've done that at Zendesk. I've given the whole team nice. the full day to like go read books on community management, come listen to the podcast, um, attend one of the webinars or events, that kind of thing. But it is true that like there are certain skills we have to build. And let's be honest, most people hate public speaking. Yeah. Not me. I'm one of those random weirdos that loves being behind a microphone on a stage. Um <laughs> At least after the first five minutes, I'm always nervous. And then I warm up and you can't drag me off. Um, <laughs> well, but, you if know, you weren't nervous, it, it would be, you know, it'd be kind of weird. You know, we're yeah. all, we all get nervous. But, yeah. So. I mean, even Adele says that she gets nervous and like, she's of course. one of the biggest stars in the world. Right. Um, but so it is so important to build those. Oh, by the way, sense. my lo- wife loves her. She, I mean, I like, I, mean, I like her too, but who doesn't, how can you not? Yeah. She's really good. <laughs> <laughs> she's an amazing, she's one of those people, like she's got one of those talents. You're just like, how is mm-hmm. that? How is there actually a person in the world that is that talented? That's um, right. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. No, I think that building those skills is so important though, especially those ones that like any job you ever have, you're going to need mm-hmm. to be able to articulate what you're doing and why and tell a compelling story around it. And, you know, there are so many things out there about you can read books and again listen to podcasts go to webinars and things like that i strongly encourage people like go take a class on storytelling go through a webinar that talks about slide design when you see great slides that people have ask if you can steal the format yes (laughs) you know copy that and use it in your own decks um you know it's a little fake it till you make it with slide design but that's fine everybody does it um but yeah like taking some time to do some professional development, maybe that's even outside of the scope of your program. You know, every class you take doesn't have to be on community management. 
Go Mm -hmm. do one on storytelling. Go do one on presenting. Go do one on public speaking. Take an improv class. You get more comfortable being on stage and things like that, you know? You know, I love that. And something that I used to do, maybe we should have just done a whole episode on that, but something that I- I feel like we've got six episodes here. We can just (laughs) like break this up and keep going on each topic. I'm going to have a hard time like- (laughs) typing out the notes like well we talked about this and this but (laughs) it is what it is it's our getting to know you episode right we're just touching on all the things and we can drill deeper in future ones (laughs) yeah let's do it um but i I do want to say this is that uh the 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 hardest thing for me at the very beginning probably six or seven years ago was getting in front of a bunch of people and speaking so more specifically around you know people that are experts and higher levels than me and everything else and so you know, uh, to get over that, what I started to do was um, I would sign up for conferences or being a speaker on certain things because it pushed me to to be able to at least get in front of people and say some shit. You know what I mean? Like about, yeah. in, in my case, community, right? Like, you know, and I was like, you know, if I just sign up and, and just tell people I want to speak and do all these things, you know, and just consistently do it, then eventually I'm going to get good at this, you know? And then so I started doing that, but the one thing that put me over the top was whenever I went to Imperva, my last gig, and you know I was the only person in community, and when I started this community from scratch, which I, I know what I was doing for the most part, but there's a lot I didn't know. But people looked at me as the expert. I had no choice but to um, get in front of people, get in front of executives, and all of those things. So sometimes you know you might have to, you just have to push yourself to do it. Just say okay, yes, I want to do all the things that Nicole said, but at some point I've got to get out and, you know, I don't know who, who the vendors that you're using, but your vendors, for example, love to get case studies. Vendors love, they, they all have, uh, 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 you know, nice little forums or, you know, things like that, that you can go to and they want somebody to speak about your, their particular topic, right? You know, and so that's my uh, uh, recommendation is just get yourself out there, do it. You know, I completely agree. Even if it's just like presenting to your own team, yeah, or like your roommate or your significant other be like, can I practice mm-hmm. for 20 minutes presenting what I do to you? Because you don't know anything about it. <laughs> You're not in community. Exactly. You don't work in my industry. I need to I, explain this to you and see if you understand it, because that'll, that means that the leaders that I'm presenting to will understand it. And the real key to it, um, it's all about confidence. And the reality mm-hmm. is most of us forget how much we know and don't realize yeah. how much of an expert we are. Um, I, one time I was going to help somebody set up their Twitter account and I'd like mm-hmm. written down this little agenda of like, okay, we're going to get their handle and I'm going to explain hashtags and I'm going to explain app mentions. And we ended up spending the whole hour just picking out their username. <laughs> and it was one of those things that made me realize like, oh, I was thinking the basics or this mm-hmm. list of things that are going to take hours to get this person through because they don't even understand the basic concept of like, well, why do I need a username? And like, how should I pick one? And what does it need to represent? And, you know, this is like for their business account. So we yeah. to talk about all these things about like, you know, <laughs> what is the brand and what kind of message are you trying to get across? What is the purpose of this account? And what mm. do people need to know when they come across your page? And it was one of those moments for me that made me realize like, oh my gosh, I know all of this stuff about Twitter. I actually am an expert, even though I'm sitting here thinking these are just basic things. And so, you know, I would encourage everyone to think about the fact that you were hired in your role mm-hmm. because you already had a certain level of expertise. And every day that you're in that role, you're building on that expertise. And so 
when somebody asks you to go present about that area, you are the expert and you should always yeah. represent yourself as that and go in with that confidence of knowing that you know more about your space than anybody else in the room. Even if you're talking to the CEO, you probably know more about your specific program than that person. And your job is to educate them. That's right. The CEO will come to you and say, Chris, what do you, what do you think about the, um, or what are customers saying about, or what, what do they think about this? Because he doesn't know. He wants to know. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. And, you know, he assumes that I know. And so hopefully I do, you know, and, and I think, but the other side of that, I think is if you don't know some certain thing, you know, don't make it up. Don't, don't be scared to say, you know, I'm not sure it's, it's okay. Um, but, you know, the answer will come at, at some point, you know, go find out, go figure it out, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just get yourself out there. And, and so to kind of go back to what I love, what you're doing is you're pushing your team to uh, uh, build roadmaps, which is a really at first, it's a really hard thing to do. You know, yeah. to me, it's just a bunch of ideas and throwing it out there and then taking those ideas and say, okay, well, what do we really want to focus on? What can we actually accomplish? And say, well, can we do this in Q1, two, three, et cetera? You know, but I love it because that's a huge exercise that will help them get far, you know, in their career. And especially, it's really cool to watch when they build that roadmap, them to execute on most of the things that they do on that roadmap. That's going to be the fun thing. Right. Well, and it makes your work life so much easier when you, you sort of like written down, right? Like, yeah. you, know, you don't have those in your shirt. Like, okay, what am I going to do to change the world today? It's like, oh, it's the next item on my little list here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, roadmaps can be intimidating. And I think one of the keys to it mm-hmm. is to start putting those dates on the calendar, right? And saying like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I want to, I want to launch my first user group in June. Okay. Well, what happens to happen between now and June in order mm-hmm. to do that? And then what else is going on? Is there a big product release or a big event at the company that's going to get in the way or that you're going to have to work around Mm -hmm. or that maybe you want to use as a springboard for that program. And once you start mapping it out, that's actually, I think my favorite thing about road mapping is when you can look at the list and be like, oh, we committed to six things in March. That's not (laughs) realistic. How can we move that out? How do we reprioritize? Um, because you know, it's the thing that's really going to help you avoid getting overcommitted and overstretched and really being able to uh, get clear on what you're going to execute and what resources you need to get there and when people can expect these things to show up. And it just clarifies so much. It makes your work life so much easier. And it makes those conversations about budget, about headcount, about resources a lot easier when you've got that clarity of, you know, why you need them and when. I agree. You know, uh, Nicole, this has been really good. And, and I really appreciate you coming on today because I've, I've learned a lot. It, it's funny because you and I, are in similar, somewhat similar industries, right? You know, it's a different, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, product, but it's still a product that we sell to, to people. And so we have a lot of similarities. And, and I think it could be some huge opportunities for us to collaborate on, you know, on this show, if you want, about just specific areas, you know, um, yeah. could be, you know, how do you go about content strategy or how do you go about, you know, user groups or how do you go, you know, whatever those are, how do you talk to business about certain things if you're interested? So this is really good. Yeah, no, this has been great. I, like you said, I feel like there's a depth of <laughs> a depth and breadth of topics that we can cover here. So I look forward to, to digging into more of them a little bit, a little bit more and, and, you know, focusing our conversations on a couple of specific things. Let's do it. Well, awesome. this is, this kind of concludes uh, the, uh, peers over beers. My name is Chris Detzel and Nicole Saunders. Thank you so much for coming today. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. We'll talk soon. All right.